Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this is going to sound crazy, guys, but I picked up a badly animated CGI toy the other day, and it's been trying to get me in trouble for the last three days, and I think it's trying to kill me. Is it shaped like a peanut? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was just going to ask that. (laughs) Well, is it? (laughs) Which show is this this week? I'm forgetting. Well, that was the plot to every single episode of Goosebumps. Yes. And well, no I, one will believe you immediately when you tell them about it. Because... I think differ, but... Well, we'll no, get to that. I will get to that, yeah. So, anyway, welcome to the Gershbrimps. Irma Gerd! Irma Gerd Gershbrimps. My favorite books. <laughs> yeah, we um we decided to do, do a uh, Goosebumps show. Which is interesting because after looking at when Goosebumps started, all of us were pretty much in college by the time this kicked in, and I don't think any of us actually have read or watched Goosebumps. Yeah, like I totally missed all of the Goosebumps things because we talked about in our book show that I was into pretty hardcore like Alfred Hitchcock scary stories. So by the time Goosebumps came around, they were kind of. I don't know, below my reading level for that sort of thing. Yeah, the first book, Welcome to the Dead House, came out in 92. So, Yeah, by that time, I was already reading my second time around on reading The um, uh, the Stand. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely into Stephen King, because that, that would have been late high school for most of us. Some You and Pat may have even been in college by that point. I was 20. I was a junior in high school. Yeah, I was a junior I, as well. I own every single... Goosebumps book there is. Really? No, I call that's, that's bullshit. A, that is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he was being serious. Well, my only uh, tie-in with it is through Isaiah, my son, because he's really into it. So He's into the Gershberms? Yes, very well, much he's, so. He's the perfect target age. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, before we go any further, let's take yes. care of a little business. Uh, as always, if you'd I like to, to check us out... On Saturdays at noon, you can tune into Geek Life Radio, where you will find us in between stick twiddlers and turnbuckle throwbacks. As far as we know. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, that was a throw to you, Mike. I know. I'm, God, I'm, I'm <laughs> fighting off a sneeze right now. I didn't... I'm going to, like, like, slime the microphone if I keep going. Anyway, if you're looking for some of our other stuff, it's on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And uh, if you're looking to give us a voicemail... Call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. 
Yeah, you can also send those voicemails uh, through our official Facebook page of 40 Going on 14. You can reach out to us on Twitter, or as at least one enterprising listener has done, you can either email us with text, or you can even record your voicemails locally and email them to us at 40go14 at gmail.com. Yes, because if you're in New Zealand, as Nikki is, uh, the connection kind of sucks. So if you record an email to us, it sounds like this. Uh, so 102 or 107 with an asterisk at the end. Uh, the asterisk means that he was not out. Yeah. That's, That's all. Bye. Huh. Okay. She's referring to our cricket conversation, right? Right, but I still, yeah, okay. And we so thought it was, was maybe not, a typo not out. or something. It was not out. It still means right. nothing to us. Yeah, I have no idea what in that In America, means. if there's an asterisk, there's something, there's a footnote somewhere, but apparently yeah. in cricket, if there's an asterisk, it just means he's not out. The not footnote s- is he's not out. But the or, sound quality was amazing. Yeah. Yes. And there, and there are no terms and conditions. Yeah, we need to get Joel to email in everything, like live, <laughs> during the show. <laughs> anyway. The the sound quality. Yeah. <laughs> you stop to uh, refill your internet... Uh, Reservoir, <laughs> but wait. What are we talking about? Wait, no, Nikki. There's it's more. Never I'm mind. Wired by an Ethernet cable. <laughs> yes, as we heard last week. I know, right? <laughs> but wait, there's more from Nikki. Oh, nice. Okay, holy shit! Revelation. You mentioned Demi Lovato's confident music video being directed by Robert Rodriguez. I was at the gym last week, and a Demi Lovato video came on, and I have my headphones on, so I can't hear what the fuck is going on. But I'm watching it, and I'm like. Why is that guy from uh, Planet Terror in a Demi Lovato video? You know, the guy that owns the barbecue place and he's making, you know, his secret barbecue sauce. Why the hell is he doing in a Demi Lovato video? And then it was, what the hell is Michelle Rodriguez doing in a Demi Lovato video? Yeah, kind of makes sense now. Yeah, apparently the Dust or Dawn guys are in it too. Go figure. I gotta watch some Demi Lovato videos. I could listen to a New Zealand woman say Demi Lovato. I can't say it, but apparently. Demi? Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato video. Demi? 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 Very sexy listening to a New Zealander talk. Demi. Demi Lovato video. Yeah. It's a bit of a tongue twister. It is. It's not easy to say. She said it very well. A lot better than I did. I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> uh, also, uh, we had uh, Randall Holt reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I know Mike's. Got that all queued up, but we've got RJ Holt 666 uh, started a new episode of At Fortigo 14 earlier this morning. Here's one maybe you guys missed. With what? I don't even know with who, Jim. <laughs> Not who. What? Well, now, Jim, let's let's get this straight. I'm I'm going swimming tomorrow with with who? What? Where? Why? <laughs> Jim, let's go on to the the Middle East now. I'll uh, I'll need the the first name of the head of the PLO, that uh, that Arafat guy. Yes, sir. I said I'll, I'll need the first name of the head of the, of the PLO. All right, we know where that's going, but that is Johnny Carson doing uh, Ronald Reagan. Which, thank you for pointing that out to me because that's freaking hilarious. Yeah, that is one we missed, and I agree with it. He says, still makes me laugh. Makes me laugh, too. Thanks. Agreed. Makes me laugh and actually laugh, not just exhale strongly through my nose. 
like that. I'm still waiting to exhale. <sighs> yeah, I think it's, it's about that. Time. It is totally that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And with that, and spits. Oh, this is going to be a running thing, isn't it? Nice. All right, so we have chosen October 28th, 1995. That is the premiere of the very first Goosebumps TV show. So in music... True. Wait, what? True. True. Sorry, I was answering. This is not a test. Yeah, nope. I wasn't asking you because you're the one who <laughs> wrote it. Why did I study? <laughs> you did study. You're the one who wrote this. All right. Oh, that's true. Oh, joke's on me. <laughs> Still not a test. <laughs> the number one song in all the land is Fantasy by Mariah Carey. I actually like that song. Yeah. I don't <laughs> hate it. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. What? It's the one where you know, she's on the uh, roller coaster and everything, and that's hot. She samples the Tom Tom Club song. Wait, people on roller coasters is attractive? Well, when those people are Mariah Carey. Like those photos at the end of... of uh, like the ride that they wait. have at Walt Disney World or whatever? Wait. Yeah. Those are always just so sexy. Huh. There we go. Oh, I know that song. Yeah. Yeah. That's Mariah Carey on a, on a roller coaster. And that's mm-hmm. what she sings. <clears throat> so, Lovata, Dr. Hepcat, Durst, was the first African-American disc jockey to achieve significant popularity in Texas. Damn. Uh, (laughs) His radio program, the Rosewood Ramble, was broadcast in Austin from 1948 until 1963. The Rosewood Ramble became a cultural, economic, and psychological resource for black radio listeners in segregated central Texas while becoming the region's most popular radio show among white listeners. Dr. Hepcat was permanently canceled. On October 31st, at the age of 82. It's a great name for a band. Dr. Hepcat? Dr. Hepcat. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's why I included it. I thought it was a good story. And in Texas, nonetheless. Right? I mean, there's a lot of people here that still have a problem. And this was back in 1948. God, I can't even imagine. Wow. All right, well. He had to come in the back door of the building, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And he had... He had to be in another room from the sound engineers. Oh, God. All right, so movies. Get Shorty has just knocked seven off the number one spot. Those are both movies I enjoy in very, very different ways. Yeah. Yes. Now, <laughs> yeah, do you guys remember going to see Seven together? Yes. And all of us went back to the apartment, but nobody wanted to go home. <laughs> it's like yes. all, wanted all to turn fif- the lights off. Nobody yeah. wanted to move. Just- <laughs> it was like all 15 of us slept in the living room together. I'm actually pretty sure that when I saw it with you guys, it was the second or third time I'd seen it. Really? Yeah, because I, I want to say I saw it either by myself or with just one other person the first time. Because I remember I once I'd seen that movie in the theater four times, I was like, well, now i got to go three more. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I see what you did. Yeah, there. I mean, if I'd only seen it three times, I probably could have left it at three. But at the fourth, I was like, i got to go with the full seven. <laughs> well, at least you have dedication to your. Yes, just the way my brain so works. In, in, yeah. In, in dog years, you've seen it forty-nine times. Well, <laughs> I'm sure he's seen it since then. So anyway, <laughs> movies released this week include Copycat, Vampire in Brooklyn, 
Powder and Leaving Las Vegas. I have wow. seen two of those. It was a different time. Um, <laughs> oh, Leaving Las Vegas was good. Oh, yeah. We saw that in the theater that's together. Another, that's another story, yeah, where we saw it together. And at the end of the movie, we just all stood up and we just kind of sighed, looked at each other. We're like, let's go get a drink. Yeah, I, in fact, we specifically went to get double kamikazes, if I recall. Yep. 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 Well, but what made the decision? Weren't we at like Taco Bell or some restaurant and trying to decide what to go see? I don't know, but I remember looking at the paper. We make, I knew I wanted to see it because it had Elizabeth Shue in it. We make bad decisions in group movie going because I remember all of us going to see you know, like American History X together. <laughs> That's like, that was great. That was a wonderful movie. Why don't movie. we ever go see Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something? I know, like right? Because we weren't alive when it was in the theater. Pish tosh. <laughs> <laughs> Copycat was pretty good. You with uh, your was- logic. Yeah, it was decent, and powder was not bad either. Leaving Las Vegas is still one of my favorite yeah, powder movies. Was, uh, the powder in, in powder was powdered sugar. Yeah. That movie was so saccharine and nasty. and yeah. Steaming pile of powder. Yes. Victor Salva. Um, the only thing, good thing that ever came out of powder is it's just a great name to call people. Because there's well, a, lot of, a lot of really, really pale people down here that shave their heads yeah. and so forth, and it's just well, a fun well, thing. What's his name that was uh, the main character in it that um, was Powder? one of the Boondock Saints? <laughs> oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, that's not going to redeem it in my eyes. Yeah. Boondock Saints. Terry Southern. Yeah. That was his anyway. name. No, it was not. It- but bringing up Terry Southern, Joel, uh, he died <laughs> on October 29th. Sean Patrick Flannery. But before that, uh, he was an American author, essayist, and screenwriter known for his distinctive satirical style. He had helped to change the style and substance of American films in the 70s and 80s, and he wrote for Saturday Night Live. The uh, Southern wrote the comic novels Candy, The Magic Christian, and his gift for writing film dialogue is evident in the work he did on Dr. Strangelove, The Cincinnati Kid, and Easy Rider. The Magic Christian was also a movie. It starred Ringo Starr. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, that was another one, but I figured I since I'd already mentioned it, I wasn't going to bother mentioning it again. So, and we realized today that Jeff Fahey starred in Easy Rider Two: The Ride Home. Yeah, Joel, I, why were we That's looking weird. that up? Two thousand twelve, because we were trying to figure out who it was. Because I was drawing a blank on his name when Nikki mentioned it. Oh, that's right. So, uh, TV. The top shows are ER, Seinfeld, Friends, and uh oh, the acronym of the week: C I T C. That's Cox in the Calzone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say cocks in the cradles. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I, I, was like, I was like ready for you to be inappropriate, but that was I, only. Yeah, no, I, I, I went back and forth whether it was going to be Catholic or Cardinal. Calzone. Whoa. Calzone won out. Do you remember the uh, catchphrase from that show? <laughs> oh, Extra <Alma> sausage, please. <laughs> That's a spicy meatball. Oh, my God. I like yours better. So uh, CITC actually is Pat Chicks in the City. No, oh. Caroline in the City. Caroline? What is yeah, that? Leah Thompson sitcom. Leah Thompson. Oh, uh, well. Leah Thompson, Hank Azaria. I got nothing. Don't remember that at all. That's I about, do. But that's about right. You probably shouldn't. Yeah, like I remember it existed, but that's nothing beyond that. All yeah, right. it, was, it was okay. All right, so TV shows premiering this week include Goosebumps, yeah. very topical, and Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Wait, cartoon. what? Yeah, I didn't realize Dumb and Dumber was it had a, a cartoon. TV show. Really? Yeah. That there was is a brief the, run of a cartoon show. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
Are you? I hear you tapping to look it up. Then. Yeah, I am. I am looking it up, and it ran for about a year, roughly. I mean, granted, it does look like them, but look who's in the who was in the who was the voice talents: Matt Frewer, Bill Fagerbacky, the guy that you know, Dauber. Did you uh, say Tom Fag- Kenny Bronson Fagerbacky? I don't know how you say his name. F a g e r b a k k e. Either I want, you, I want you to say that like that Irma Gad girl. <laughs> Fragerbergie. Bill Fagerbergie. Irma Gad Fagerbergie. He was Dauber on Coach, and he's he's Patrick on SpongeBob. He was a uh, Tom Cullen. M o o n spells Tom Cullen. Uh, I oh. do like that guy. So anyway, yeah, it's got. I mean, it had some good talent, and it was a, it was a attempt at <laughs> translating the movie. That was the thing. Because obviously we know after RoboCop, it should definitely be turned into a children's Sullivan show. <laughs> right, because that's how it works. Right. I so, would like to see it just to give it a shot. Cha- a chot? A chot? Joni yeah. love Chachi? Hey, give it a chot, mate. That's what I was thinking. It's like that when you when you watch it while eating a burrito. Well, I mean, if you're going to mention that, there was also Police Academy, the TV series. There's Ace Ventura, the TV series. You know what Metal else Juice? had a TV series? What? Sports. And on October 25th, Bobby Riggs, American tennis player and winner of the U.S. Open in 1939 and, uh, and 1941, died of prostate cancer at 77. Mm-hmm. Well, at least he made it to 77. I mean, that's respectable for somebody who uh, was in his prime in 39. Yeah, I oh. actually didn't know that Bobby Riggs, I, like, I knew he was a tennis player, but I didn't know he was a tennis player that far back. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, by the time he challenged Martin, uh, um, not Martin, uh, Billie Jean King, he was in his like fifties. So that's why he said, he, you know, he still thought he he made a big deal out of beating a woman because he's like, I'm, you know, twenty years <laughs> I can still beat Aww. you. <laughs> oh, nice. Aww. So on October twenty seventh, the contract finalizing the Cleveland Browns move to Baltimore is signed. The Baltimore Browns, Baltimore Ravens. Oh. Oh. Cleveland kept the name and they got another team named the Browns a couple years later. Why didn't they just get their own team and start? No, it's law. Like, if I were to move to Baltimore, I'd be Josh Raven. <laughs> so, Uki's well, then why last don't we name was to Raven? Baltimore right now. <laughs> that would mean we're related. Man, if I moved to Baltimore, my name would be Mike, Ra- Mike Raven. No, it only works with the word brown. Ah, fuck. Oh, okay. never mind. Oh, well, so anyway... Merrick Pringle. <laughs> Can't eat just one. Oh, wait, that's Lays. Takes a cricket. <laughs> Merrick Pringle is the crickettiest name. It is. <laughs> I guarantee you it's Sir Merrick Pringle. And there's an asterisk after it. Yeah. <laughs> He's never been out. <laughs> Let me out of my house. No, that way we have to take away the, pr- the asterisk. Uh, he, he lives takes- just in just one round tower. <laughs> He uh, takes a cricket hat trick. Come on, nobody. I thought that was pretty. Funny. No, that wasn't good at all. Uh, in England, cool. nothing. No, at Not doing anything for you. Is this thing on? No. <laughs> Tour game at Soweto. A hat trick occurs in cricket when a bowler dismisses three batsmen with consecutive deliveries. I have. N- uh, I was with you until deliveries. Right. They must be three consecutive deliveries by the individual bowler in the same match. Now is I, I wonder if a delivery. You are lucky that I truncated that, by the way. I am so glad you truncated that. <laughs> Let's I wonder just go if back. delivery is is it when you hit the wicket? Maybe we'll just say Merrick Pringle again. What does on. wicket have to do anything? It has nothing to do with Star Wars. <laughs> no, a wicket's a thing in cricket. Yeah, it is. 
The wicked and cricket, but the wicked—it's called the cricket wicket. A wicket is a cricket, a stickety licket. Merrick Pringle. <laughs> My brain Let's hurts. All All right, somebody so stuck on. his hand in him once and couldn't get back out when they were trying to get the crumbs <laughs> at the bottom. All right, the Atlanta Braves wrap up the world. Don't go laugh at my tower joke. I'm not laughing at that joke. So there you go. Oh yeah. my god, it's funny. Hey, oh my god, it's Merrick Pringer. <laughs> the Atlanta no Braves difference. wrap up a World Series on October 28th by beating the Cleveland Indians in six games. That I understand. I'm just going to confess that I'm never going to understand cricket. I think you've confessed this before. Well, I think it should be confessed again. I, I'm <laughs> trying. But like I said, I, I was up there. I, I understood bowler. I understood dismissed. I understood batsman. Deliveries lost. Is that is that what they call when you run down the pitch and throw it? Is that the, a delivery? Probably. Well, that might be. Like See, delivery is a synonym for pitch. So like it only, it only took one pitch each guy and he did it three times in a row. So he struck out three guys in a row, essentially. With one pitch. No, no, he, he got three outs in a row with one pitch. That like, That is our hypothesis, and Nikki will call to tell us why we're completely wrong. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So he pitched the ball once, and three guys missed it all at the same time. No, no, no. He pitched oh. one time, and he hit it, and, he, and they got him out. And then the next guy hit it, got him out. Next guy hit it, got him out. Or there is, because I don't think you get three strikes in cricket. There may be some sort of uh, well, condition. Each guy, each guy came up one time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying to Mike, is like, even if the guys didn't hit it, there might be another condition under which they're dismissed if you bowl in a certain way. That was yeah. why I was guessing that uh, maybe the wicket was hit. Because I, I think the wicket's behind the batsman, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because his, his objective is to knock the wickets down, no. and your objective is to protect the wickets as the batsman. Yeah, the bat. Oh confused. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Gishbimps. <laughs> I mean, we could look this shit up, but it's way more fun to determine cricket by context and getting it wrong. Oh, it is. But I we're going to invent some kind of fun game while we're doing it. Right. Okay, so Goosebumps from the uh, very popular series of children's books published by R.L. Stein. Yeah, they uh, they decided to turn these into a kind of Tales from the Crypt for Kids. Tales I'd say that's... Dark Side, yeah. It's yeah. Tales from the Crypt, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this came out in 1995 and starred such... <laughs> starred such Sorry. people as... Hayden Christensen in Night of the Living Dummy 3, Parts 1 and 2. Um, and, and that was the invention of Slappy, wasn't it? No, that was... No, Slappy, the the uh, puppet, came around in Night of the Living Dummy Part 2, which is actually the first one to show up on the TV show. Right. It's a sequel to the Night of the Living Dummy 1, which was only a book, if I recall. Right. right, which the the original book featured a character by the name of Mr. Wood, and Slappy didn't come in until the very last couple pages, and he had one line. All right, we are going... Okay, before we get into this, this came out in 1995. The show, yes. I was married a year later. I don't Two think... Two years later. Did any of us actually watch this when we were kids, or is this the first viewing for all of us? It's first viewing for me. Same here. I I started watching it about a month ago when we saw the movie and Isaiah fell in love with it. Although uh, 
Side note, because I am the youngest of the four of us, and my wife is six years younger than I am, she was the appropriate age to watch this at broadcast. Did Her. she? <laughs> yeah, she did. Really? Yes. Did Wow, so she's in the same uh, demographic as Isaiah then. Interesting. <laughs> yes, they're the same age. I just got really <laughs> creeped out. Can can we get her on the show to talk about it? Uh, not after 10 o'clock p.m. Ah, shit. Okay. She turned back into a pumpkin? What happened? <laughs> oh, she gets up for working a, a grown-up job, unlike me. Mm. All right. So we um, what we did is the Goosebumps TV show has got a lot of shows. There's four or five seasons of this. And instead of trying to... Instead of trying to watch as much as we could, I went through the movie and pulled out the episodes that we that kind of coincided with with them, which were uh, the Abominable Snowman of Pasadena. Which I couldn't find that one on Netflix. No, yeah, I couldn't either. There yeah, was never that, actually a TV show. That was not a TV show. It was book uh. thirty eight. It was not an episode. Night of the Living Dummy. That actually, uh, Slappy the Dummy shows up in season one, two, and three. Yep. Was that him supposedly at the end? Of that episode that saved... No, Slappy's the main villain. Yeah. In each of them. His his face then definitely changed by the next episode. That's correct. Uh, The dummy that represents Slappy is different, I believe, every time. Nope. 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 It was the same in the movie as it was at the end of the the last episode. Nope. What? What? Clarify for us. Yeah, would you just say more than nope, damn it? Slappy the Dummy is the same in all three episodes on the TV show, but in the movie they redid him for, but it's the same character, just they redid him. Okay, you know, that's what I was saying, is that, yeah, okay, I get you. All right, got it. But Well, then I was just talking out of my ass. He's he's the most popular character from the book series. Yes. And he was one that I wanted to make sure I watched all the Slappy episodes. I didn't get to, unfortunately. So also there was uh, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. My best friend is invisible. Shocker on Shock Street, which initially I watched this one, but unfortunately I was I I just googled it and I found it on Pornhub. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't want to Google Shocker. <laughs> I was Every like, cat. I was like, this is like the opposite of scary. This isn't scary, and this isn't for children at all. One mistake turned to pink. <laughs> Also, oh shit! Also, there was Werewolf of Fever Swamp, which is a two-parter. I want to talk about that one when we get to it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get to see that. That was the last. Uh, the Shocker on Shock Street was the last one I got to see. Yeah, and um, I skipped the Werewolf as well. Um, oh, I, I did watch the Blob that ate everyone. Though. Of course, you gotta. You gotta. An Attack of the Graveyard Ghouls, which I think did not get a TV show, and the no Blob good, that, that ate everyone. It. it what? The Blob that ate everyone. Oh yeah. That was a blob one. So, and like I had said, some some uh, actors got their start on this also. So, like Hayden Christensen, uh, Laura Vandervoort, Vandervoort, Vandervoort. Uh, she was on Smallville and Bitten. Uh huh. Kevin Zegers uh, was also best known for The Mortal City and Instrument of Bones, uh, and Colin Mockery. I watched this episode because of that. He was same here. He had, he had one line. <laughs> yep. Kid exits that way. <laughs> that is terrible. That is and Ryan Gosling, which did say cheese and die. You're supposed to say the dreamy Ryan Gosling. Well, well it's uh, just assumed. Is there, is there another one? 
I just think it's contractually everybody has to say it. Oh, it's like it's a writer on this contract. Yep. A Winona writer. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, this was first viewing for me. And uh, to say I was unimpressed is a bit of an understatement. Like, Are we I, talking about any individual episode yet? Or are you just saying overall? O- overall, every episode I watched was like pulling teeth. Yeah, there was there was a very childish quality to the episodes, and I don't mean that in a good way. They're Canadian. Cut them some slack. Well, and I, you know, if the acting were competent or like, I, I get it. It's a kid's show, so I'm not expecting Slappy to start chopping off limbs or anything. <laughs> but like something about it should be good. And uh, a couple of them, the effects were okay. But in general, like uh, p- poor scripting, very samey scripting, and bad acting kind of made these difficult for me to sit through. Now, I, I left a little bit of trivia at the last, after all the, the notable things, where it was originally rated, you know, GB7 or TV for no one under seven should watch it. And after watching it both with Isaiah and then on my own, I can kind of see why, because it can get a pretty, it, I mean, if you think of it from that perspective, it can get a little intense. What can the, the TV show? Yeah. For, if you think of it from that age group, not from, from, from like a six or seven year old. You're right. right. Oh yeah. I mean, six or six or know, seven year old will be pissing their pants on some of this stuff. Schools and, and not lawn gnomes coming to life and werewolves and, mm. and things like that. They're, they're kind of scary if you're six or seven. Yeah, no matter so, how poorly done they are. Well, I mean, especially at that age. I mean, you, they've got TV7 rating on this thing. A seven-year-old, all they need, I mean, they don't need much for their uh, imagination to take over and run them down the street type of thing. So Right. Yeah, I mean, before the age of six, there are still kids that are frightened by, like, the toilet. Was that an that? I piss wait, wait, in the wait, yard. Are you saying you're not? No. Well, That's, maybe uh, today, but there were wasps. <laughs> So Anglo-Saxon Protestants? Oh, God. Yeah, they were at the front door in the bathroom. Oh, my God. So the abominable Luckily, snowman. He called, he called someone to remove them. <laughs> the abominable snowman of Pasadena. That actually was a book. I don't think we're not covering that. So we're just going to skip right over that bad boy. But Night of the Living Dummy. Did all of us watch that one? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. I watched all three. What friggin' family... The show and tell. I was going to say it if nobody else did. <laughs> it was okay. a horrible, horrible nightmare existence is it for those children. That every night they have to do show and tell with their family. And they have a little mini talent show all the time. And everything has to be completely G-rated. Right, because when Slappy started doing the insult comedy at the family, it was all incredibly mild. And everyone was really, really mad. Yeah, they, were, I, they recoiled in horror at someone not loving every spoonful of saccharin given to them by this strange family. And that was the thing is, honestly, I don't if. OK, let's say for a wild chance, Sophie gets a hold of a mannequin of a of a ventriloquist dummy, which isn't going to happen because like me, she is healthily frightened as shit. <laughs> of ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> they are naturally terrified. Right. This is this is not this is not a, a bad thing. This is the defense mechanism that has been in place over hundreds and hundreds of years. So 
if if Sophie sits down, has a mannequin, and that mannequin starts talking, as the same time she is saying, it's not me, I am going to be first really impressed that she is doing such a great job with her ventriloquism. <laughs> and then the other part of my brain is going to go, hey, I think that thing is possessed. Like, her voice doesn't get that deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I don't know what world... Okay, okay. A couple of the tropes that that are in the Goosebumps world. Parents and adults are so stupid. Yeah. And the kids know everything. They're they're either too smart for the for to be involved in the plot or they're just complete morons. In which case the complete morons thing in that living dummy. Yeah. <clears throat> and almost every single episode a kid says, This is gonna sound crazy, but <laughs> it's almost Scooby Doo. No one ever will believe them the first time until they see actual proof. Right. Yeah. So all of us watched Night of the Living Dummy. Was it what do you, I mean, if you were a kid, let's say you're eight years old, would this freak you out, do you think? I actually think her original dummy was scarier than Slappy. Oh. I know, like right? The off center, weird, like whole dead face, weird eyes, fucked up hair. Yeah, I, I honestly was more frightened by the dummy with the lazy eye than I was by Slappy. Did I ever tell you I dated a girl with a lazy eye? Yes. Okay. So anyway, um, the dummy really freaked the crap out of me, especially at the end. That was it. I just, But just because I hate dummies. <laughs> yes, man's natural predator. Ventriloquist <laughs> is the ultimate in machismo, demonstrating his mastery. Have you ever seen Magic? <laughs> That'll make we got to watch that for some reason or another. Magic, 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 or Ma- magic, the magic, the movie. Yes, I've seen it. It's scary with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I, th- I think I've seen it as well. It's been a while though. And uh, with Anthony Anthony Hopkins and directed by Richard Attenborough, hmm. sir. Is it the life story of, of Doug Henning? The magician? yeah, that's exactly what it is. Go into that watching it, and it's got <laughs> Anne Margaret. <laughs> Ooh, oh, well, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it for that. So let's anyway, move on to Lawn Gnome, shall <laughs> right. we? Lawn Gnome. Let's Margaret some more. Wait, did we go through all? Th- are we talking about all three of the Night of Living Dummies that we watched, or just? I only first? watched the first one because after the yeah, first I, me one, too. yeah, after yep. the first oh. one, I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. I, well, I will admit, I watched the absolute minimum of the Goosebumps TV show that I felt I could get away with. I, well, because if you continue to watch them, there's a creepy girl doll in the second one that he she. <laughs> He wants to. You think he wants it's to like marry my her, neighbor? He He's got a creepy to, girl doll. He actually wants to marry the little girl. <laughs> and <laughs> so the doll, the little girl doll, wants to marry him and is actually alive too. Um, Where she is. And then in the third one, the uh, the he brings to life an, another puppet that's a like a a mobster, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And at this point, they've stopped doing the the special effects where they have somebody like. His enforcers go around giving people termites. Well, he tries to move the. They try to move the doll. At this point, they have people in actual costumes running around in the dummy costumes, like midgets, the ones from the lawn gnomes episode. You're huh. you're not selling me on this. I'm gonna tell you that, right. <laughs> I'm just filling you in because okay. I watched I watched all of them. Okay. So. I feel like we made the right decision in not watching this. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you took the bullet for us, Joel. <laughs> but um, well, well done. I watched them from a child's perspective, and I enjoyed them. 
yeah, they're cheesy and they're hokey and all that, but we'll get to some other interesting points later. But all right, so I had fun with it. <clears throat> Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes, starring some huge lawn gnomes. <laughs> yes, very large. <laughs> yeah, and Mister Hand. Is that who that was? Who was that? Well, they had to have them be able to move around somehow. No, 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 no. I'm, t- I'm saying, I'm like, I at first I thought the next door neighbor, the, the, um, uh, the major. I thought it was Mister Hand from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh no, 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 no Mister no. Hand. I thought you were no. talking. Never mind. I would. I was thinking a complete different Mister Hand. Um. <laughs> You're thinking of Mr. Hand. <laughs> no, Mr. Hand. I wasn't thinking of that one either. So no, don't, Major don't McCall was played by David Hemblin. Okay. Yeah, he was. Um, he did some. I, I know who it was because I recognized him immediately. And now I'm trying to remember. I mean, he's a character actor. He's been yeah. in a bunch of stuff. He was in on uh, Nero Wolf. I don't know if any, anyone besides me watched Nero Wolf. Yeah, he's got to be Canadian because everybody in this show is Canadian. Oh, yeah, he was also a series regular on uh, La Femme Nikita. <clears throat> oh. So, like, 1999-2000. Was he on Malcolm in the Middle as well? Uh, does not appear so. Why didn't no. I look up? I looked up I looked up David Hemblin, and I got a picture of, uh, what's his name? Um, Ethan Embry. No. Uh, he's also well-known for... And Margaret. Repeatedly? Yes. Uh, and Canfield. Repeatedly voicing uh, Magneto for X-Men cartoons and video games. Oh, oh okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. First off, I don't care if they're free. I am not putting those damn lawn gnomes <laughs> on my lawn. First off, they're they're like four feet tall. And Can we first just talk about the decor of both lawns in oh, go general? Ahead. Go ahead. They were trying to win a contest. But what was the contest? How to make your yard look like Mario designed it? <laughs> yes I mean just I just have a random porcelain deer here in the middle of my yard that doesn't even look realistic at all over here I have a tree in a box that obviously just came from the nursery and I just set it down surrounded by potted plants that I'm not going to take out of the pot and how many times does a uh, neighbor have to threaten your children before you just call the police <laughs> holy crap I know Honest to God, I mean, there were so many times, okay, we're watching the uh, the Lawn Gnomes episode with the girls, and I was like, if I ever cave like that father does after the neighbor comes over and talks shit directly at you, like, call the cops. Obviously, I've gone, ret- I've gone like, mentally disabled. <laughs> no, Mike is just going to start choking bitches. <laughs> <laughs> like... That guy. Like, I have so much rage to funnel at you right now. <laughs> To be fair, if the neighbor in question is a military person, as this character was, I don't recommend that particular course of action. <laughs> oh, do something. Yes, yes, you don't please, live next please, to a family with 13 kids. To, Mike, to, to Mad Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that guy may have been an honorary title. Yeah, that guy was That guy was all talk. Yeah, I don't think he was a major of anything. Major douche. Exactly. <laughs> he was. Mr. Hand, you're a dick. <clears throat> Okay, this I think is the highlight of how terrible the effects and could be in uh, Goosebumps, especially when the lawn, lawn gnomes close their eyes and look like they had drawn uh, the uh, fake eyes on their eyelids with sharpies. Yeah, and then at the end, from the entire series, there's only two lawn gnomes until the kids need to get chased, and then there's like six. Yeah, yeah where do they all come from? All of a sudden, store. 
Well, that solves that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, this this was definitely, I think, one of the lowest points in, in all, of all the episodes that I watched. All right. <clears throat> did any of us watch... Wait, did... Okay, first off, before we get over the lawn gnomes, did any of us actually enjoy watching anything up to this point? Yes. Besides Joel? No. All right. <laughs> no. I so did not enjoy anything Goosebumps related in the first half of this show. I, yeah, no, not at all. I am going to tell you right when, now. When, when one would end, it would be like, what do I got to watch next? <laughs> I watched Night of the Living Dummy, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes with both of my daughters. By the end of it, one of them had disappeared, and I felt like I needed to apologize to everybody. <laughs> They're like 20 minutes long. They're not I, that, long. that doesn't matter. 20 minutes of getting kicked in the nuts is still 20 minutes of getting kicked <laughs> in the nuts. They felt a lot longer than 20 minutes. Yeah, they did. So my best friend is invisible. Who watched that? I did. I did. Yeah. All right. You talk about that. I missed that one. Well, one of the things that he talks about <laughs> in in the movie is that, you know, there's the beginning, the middle, and the twist. And this one honestly had a twist that even though the way it was played out at the end was a little silly yeah uh, like why why do they i mean they they had it and then they threw it away until the the hair with the faces in it right. I, I was like I, wow that's a really kind of a neat twist yeah like it's almost like the others you know that kind of twist I was yeah like, oh, I, right, that, all right that's not so bad it's kind of interesting it's a little bit hackneyed and forced but it's you know and then they then suddenly they turn around and they have faces in their hair and i was but, like okay well now i'm out <laughs> no, but this is an example of, of what I'm talking about with this seven-year-old thing where they're talking about it being, you know, too mature for some kids is that this one actually gets a little dark because these people are coming, the aliens are coming after this kid who's the last human on Earth. And yeah, they're going to do some pretty horrible things to him, it looks like. So kind of dark. Well, the, one of the episodes that I watched was... um I don't remember what the title of it was, but it was about a girl who um, was always talking about monsters with her family and threatening her little brother with monsters. And, you know, and her, her parents were always chastising her. And the twist at the end was, you know, she ended up finding an actual monster and he chased her all the way to her house. And the, the twist at the end was her parents were actually monsters. They were like a half snake and they killed him and ate him. That's pretty dark. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they, what are you having for dinner? I'm like, uh, we think you. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, uh, another, even though the, the effects aren't all that great and the story sometimes are a little hokey, it's for that age group, it's, it gets pretty. I mean, pretty to, to have, to, to introduce death to, you know, to something that, that's a pretty okay. big concept. Here's a question Did R.L. Stein show up at the beginning of that one? Which one? The, whatever one Pat was just talking about, with, where oh. there was actual death. Yeah, he wasn't in all of them. Because there seems like there's some of them where R.L. Stein would show up and he'd be like, now, let's all know that there's no such thing as a werewolf. <laughs> no, I didn't see any of those, no. No, the werewolf yeah. of Fever Swamp. Um, on that one, he actually, beforehand, he was like, there's some legends about werewolves. Werewolves <laughs> are not real. So, I mean, I, I guess at one point or another, they kept pushing it a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, until finally, like, dude, you're freaking the shit out of the kids. You gotta say <laughs> something. This isn't real, but, you know, and then he, at the end of it, he's, like, wearing a werewolf arm and telling him that there's no werewolves around. Right. Well, so, and he's like, don't look at my mole. Right. Mole. So, Shocker on Shock Street. Who watched that one? I did. I did. Yep. Ugh. What? 
I thought that one was uh, clever. I mean, no, I'm just saying. I watched the one with the three fingers. It was. Oh. I mean, the shock <laughs> street was all right until um, they basically you just discovered the only thing you could ever do to troubleshoot a fully animatronic passable robot, passable as a human robot, is one little on-off switch in the back. That's all you can do. Like, <laughs> like that one breaks down and all he does is he stands there and goes on off on off on off on off. Well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Have you tried turning it off and on again? Exactly. <laughs> Several times. Oh, now now they're attacking you. <laughs> it's, well, reach around and try and turn it on and off again. Guys, yeah. suspension of disbelief. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Have a little bit of a... Reset your brain to be in eight, 10 years old or whatever on a Saturday morning. I it. would have found this insulting to my intelligence at five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then you're four. And... <laughs> I kind of have to agree. This this is not a good TV show. I mean, honestly, coming from the fact that this is made in 1995, this is post-Jurassic um, Park. And I hate to use that as like a... Benchmark? As a, yeah. Be, but after... But th- Jur- this, is, this is like the, the... Okay. This is the Dean Koontz of children's writing. I, I I don't think that I mean I know you don't like Dean Koontz, but yeah I'm not a fan either. But I'm I, saying it's it's like it's formulaic, flavorless, and it's 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 talking down to its audience. That's the thing I think that gets me is like most of the stuff, even if it's uh, designed for a very very young audience, I have a great deal of respect for something that does not condescend to its target audience. And this constantly underestimates and condescends to its tar- target audience, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I dislike them so much. See, and I, I disagree with that. I, I thought that he was playing to his audience and expecting them, expecting more out of them than just what was out there. I mean, it, to I, me, I think it was... he introduced adult subjects, but he did it in a very hockneyed way. Well, he he was he was playing with a lot of uh, concepts and and characters and ideas that you have to be careful with and it, like yeah, but he, he didn't have to turn every one of his protagonists into just a, a vanilla lump of flesh. Yeah, I well, mean there are some pretty deep and heavy concepts in Pixar films as well, and Pixar never condescends to children. It was the nineties. <laughs> He had a mole. Well, you know, he's got his trump card right there. It was the 90s. It was, the 90s. <laughs> it was Canadian. It was the 90s. They're flip-top heads. All right. So, well, wait. Now, out of all the ones that I watched, Werewolf of Fever Swamp, that was a two-parter. Right. That seemed to be pretty much the more intense out of all the ones that I had Very watched. Very much so. Now, first off... <clears throat> I didn't get to that one. You didn't get I skipped this one as well. So uh, Joel, you did you have, you... have you seen this one, Joel? Yeah, I watched. Okay. I wanted to watch this one. I just didn't get a chance to get to it. If you're going to buy a house in a swamp, who the hell buys a house sight unseen? I mean, I'd forgive it for that because that happens in horror movies, even if they're not goosebumps. Okay, and well, second, one day all this will be yours. And what, what kind of science are they? <laughs> what kind of scientists are they that they're studying releasing deers in a swamp? To yeah, see what how the fuck kind of tr- what kind of science? We're gonna get these deers. And we're going to release him into a swamp and see what happens. They're going to drown in the swamp. Step for profit. Yeah, exactly. And it's second of all, that kid. Habitat. 
That kid's face was huge. <laughs> oh yeah, he did have a big face. But here's the thing with that one is yes, it was one it was the most intense out of the bunch. That that end scene when the werewolf actually starts attacking gets pretty intense. But what got me was at the end, the little boy straight up kills his best friend, who's the werewolf. He straight up murders him by well his dog does, by pushing him into the swamp, and then he lets him die. Okay, at first, okay, he was not his best friend. He was a a kid that he knew for like a week. It was his only friend that he had in the swamp. Because there was the only other kid around. Okay, I'll give you that. Yes. Did the old man get gored to death by the werewolf? He was murdered by the werewolf. I'm not sure how. You never saw him again. And at the end of it, everyone's like, oh, well. You know, that sure seemed like a werewolf, but I don't think it really was, because werewolves don't exist. Well, after he'd murdered his best friend, they'd been terrorized by this monster. They're all just sitting around, ha, 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 ha. They're having dinner. They should not be all sitting around having dinner. They should be sitting in the waiting room for the psychologist to finish working with the kid who just drowned his best friend. Right. And then you see the, the, the creature's skull come out of the, the swamp. That was it, it doesn't affect you as much as you think. <laughs> it, it was really kind of insane how much they got away with in that episode. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that's where I got the idea that, I mean, I had I had, wasn't able to watch all these. But I thought, like, especially in this one, this is the one where R.L. Stein showed up at the very beginning. It was like, hey, everybody, I'm going to show you a movie, and it's not real. Don't freak out, because otherwise my TV show is going to get canceled. You ladies, you, whose gentle hearts do fear. <laughs> now, now, what about, okay, the attack of the God graveyard ghouls. All of us skipped over that one. Yeah, uh, the blob can... that ate everyone. Well, he actually only ate one person. Right. And it borderline hentai. Yeah, it was weird. It was like the, the actual blob eating. It was like Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. That's exactly what I wrote down here. <laughs> I wrote Pizza the he Hut. It was like in a closet and ate himself. It was like pe- Pizza the Hut with a penis tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got out of that. Would it be like a breadstick coming out? No, it was like purple and throbbing. Yikes! <laughs> Although that say that like... again, but slower. <laughs> purple and throbbing. Looking at the cover of the original Goosebumps book for this one, the uh, tongue is like the focus of the – you got the huge blob and there's the giant tongue like down the street. But but is the tongue purple and throbbing? It's it's, it's pink in the book. (laughs) Throbbing? (laughs) Well, and this one I thought it was an interesting concept. But again, poorly executed. And if they go into this burned out store, the kid's about to steal the typewriter. Right. And then the woman's like, what are you doing here? Oh, you can have it. Yeah. It's like, he's trying to steal from you. And she was mystical for no reason at all. Well, and she's like, (laughs) Like the the, the building got hit by lightning. And, and, you know, that means a ghost lives there who gives away the things that are still there that aren't burnt up. Well, but she was like, I've lost everything in this fire. I, I've Everything I ever had was in this place. Oh, but here's this one item that's still in good shape. You can take it if you want. <laughs> Even it's though like, it just electrocuted you. Yeah, and he's all like, oh, I'm going to go right back and touch it again. And yeah, then I'm no, going to go. I'm going to be like, okay, not going to touch that again. <laughs> but you got to admit, the kid that he that got eaten deserved it. Did you guys catch the X-Files poster? Yeah, I yes, saw it in the back. video store. Yeah, yeah, totally saw that one. 
Yeah, I also caught the kid that was wearing my vest. Ha ha. Ha. Those were those were cool at one point. Yeah, for like twenty minutes. Shut up. Denim and jackets Texas. with the sleeves cut off were never cool. I hate and to tell you that. They were for a while. They were. <laughs> Go back Listen. to our fashion episode and listen in. Listeners, in I want Texas. you to let us know when and where were denim denim uh, jackets with the sleeves cut off ever cool. It's high fashion in Canada. Herman Gerd. If you're one of the Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of was. I was a bully. <laughs> That's true. All right. You're a woolly bully. Uh, the blob that I, everyone, honestly, it could have been cool if they had stuck to everything that, if they had kind of like alluded to the fact that everything that the kid thought about became true. Well, yeah, and this is one where they changed the ending from the book. I, I read up on this one, and the ending, the twist that they left out was actually good. It was the best part of the book. Uh, that at the end, this, there's a pink and a green blob, and they're like f- happy, friendly blobs, and they're reading the story that was written by Zach, and they think it's awesome, especially when Adam gets eaten. But then the green blob suggests that the ending should be changed, so the blob eats everyone. And that's the reason why the whole thing is the blob that ate everyone, even though only one person died. Same, same in the book. So there's like blo- there's blobs talking about it? Yes, it's like this. This was a story that at the end is being How told to blobs the with their tentacles, with their tongues. How do you hold the book? Well, they don't have arms and opposable thumbs. There's blobs, yeah. sticky tentacles. Yeah. yeah, but those are no good for turning pages. Now we're back to the hentai. You. What <laughs> says you? No, what no, did not, say? I'm talking about. I, my, I said my. hentai. That's all I thought about the whole oh, thing. Oh, okay, that was not worth me. I was like. After I saw that, like, pulsating purple tongue, I was like, this is Revenge <laughs> of the Overfiend all over again. <laughs> oh, now that'd make a good TV series for kids. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yes. So, again, yeah, I mean. So, okay, are we going to, let? Uh, do you want to do a thumbs up, thumbs down now? It seems pretty obvious. I think it's pretty obvious what you guys think. What do you think? Thinks th- on ice. <laughs> what? I I felt bad that I made my family watch this stuff. <laughs> Worse than everything except Van Halen's jump. <laughs> See, and and my family was already watching it, so. See, I mean, I don't think this was just like you know horrible awfulness. It just was very bland and and non. I don't know. I have no. I have no real. I, I nothing. This. There. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. There was no depth to anything. Right. It was the smart kid sees what's happening. The dumb parents do not see it. I mean, that and was one will listen to him. That was my gag at the top of the show is how how samey these all were. And mm-hmm. I guess maybe my expectations were set a little, a little bit high because scary stories were a like cornerstone of my pre-discovering Dungeons and Dragons existence. Well, yeah, because I mean, honestly, this is if this is post. Um, Tales from the Crypt for us. I was, uh, in all in all honesty, I was looking forward to this week because I've always heard about Goosebumps and I've never read them, I've never seen a show, and I've heard like you know, in, in the great numbers and just tons of followers and you know, so many books sold. I was actually looking forward to this, and I didn't really like 
any of the episodes. Well, but I will talk about the the book number sales in the second half. I put up as part of the trivia, but I think that's where we've got to disconnect a little bit because none of us have read the books, so we're strictly basing it off of the TV series adaptation, which is never going to be the same. That's fair, and I, that was one of the reasons why some of these I went to the wiki to look at the difference between the book. And the television adaptation and found that in some of them, like I said, with the blob that ate everyone, the best part was excised from the TV adaptation. Yeah, and if, I mean, that would have been that would have been fun to, to watch. But I think, you know, like probably television, the producers decided that, that would be too, too much of a mind fuck for the seven year olds out there. <laughs> well, but consider how many books have been written. I mean, even though Arl Stein didn't write all of them. I mean, you think about how many are in the series and how long it's been running. I mean, <laughs> excuse me, they're still being produced. There's like 163 books or something like that. I mean, so obviously there's something about the books that has a staying power that the TV series obviously couldn't latch on to. Well, I think the thing that you're, <clears throat> the thing that's the, the uh, dividing line between those is it's a book between a TV show. If I'm reading a book, my mind will take an idea and run like Forrest Gump to the end of the earth with it. And that's why I wind up closing my closet door, taking all the dirty laundry piles out of the bedroom, because obviously there's a blob in there and it's looking at me. I mean, that's that's the difference between the TV show and... Oh, that's just Jay. <laughs> it is just Jay. And it there's is. 182 bucks. I just checked. Right. I mean, but I mean... If you have a kid who is seven and eight years old and he's reading uh, My Best Friend is Invisible or Shocker on Shock Street, his head is going to take that scenario and amplify it more than any TV show ever will. And I think that's why the books sold so much, because the books were actually a way for the kids. I mean, it's like like almost like they said in the uh, in the movie, it's. It's preteen Stephen King. And it's a way for them to work through their fears. Right. Because everybody has the fears of the dummies or their fear of werewolves or their fear of, of stuff that they can't tell what it is in the dark. Right. When I was 12, I had a fear of hentai penises. If this was <laughs> around when I was 12, I would have been all right. I'd be like, hey, it just wants to shake hands. Well, and a lot of early horror, even horror that is targeted to kids, usually has some sort of message, like there is some sort of moral lesson to be learned. Usually the person who is uh, eaten by a monster has something bad that they did that caused them to meet their end. And I'm not going to say that. They're a chronic masturbator or something. Something like that. Like, all the way back to, like, classic horror poems tar- targeted as kids. And I'm not going to say that element wasn't here at all, but it was way less than I've come to expect from horror, even horror targeted at kids. See, and I think this was more about the, the twist factor. I think that that was the, the, what they brought up in the movie is that his whole philosophy was, you know, the beginning, the middle, and then some sort of twist at the end to give you a hook. And I just want to say this because of what Mike said, I'm a cat hunter. All right, so are we ready to go to the break and then come back and talk about the film? I'm totally good with that. I think I think we've covered it and given it a fair shake on both sides. All right, so uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Goosebumps, the 2015 movie starring Jack Black. Right. Right. 
back to the Gersberms. All right, so for the then, we watched the TV show. And by watched, I mean put up with. <laughs> now we watch, have the movie that came out starring Jack Black, of all people. I actually didn't know he was in this movie going into it. So it was a slight pre- slip, yeah, present. What? I was happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. So all right. We've heard from Porky I Pig. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean the Porky Pig that up. But <laughs> so, okay. So Goosebumps came out 2015, last year, directed by Rob Letterman of Monsters and Aliens, Shark Tale, and Gulliver's Travels fame. And when I say that, I mean that's the only other three things he's done. Also starring Jack Black. Also starring Jack Black, yep. Uh, Gulliver's Travels was, yeah. Well, oh, Shark, yeah. yeah, he was yep. in Shark Tale, too. Was he in Monsters oh. vs. Aliens? I don't know. No. Okay. Um, writing, screenplay, done by Darren Lemke, who is known for Shrek 3D and Turbo. Patrick, you don't have children. Josh, you don't have children. I saw Turbo, though. The one about the racing snails? Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, I uh, had my, niece, my niece liked that one, so I've seen it. What's the one about the dog uh, who was like a famous TV dog? Bolt. Oh, ter- Bolt. Bolt. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, was, that- I thought I'd seen it, but I mixed up Turbo and Bolt. Okay, I've but- seen Bolt as, as well. I've, mm-hmm. I've actually seen more children's movies than I would probably like to admit. Bolt actually was pretty damn good. I like my, favorite is, my favorite is Wreck-It Ralph. That's, That's a good, good one. stuff. But none of those were written by Darren Lemke, except for Turbo. Right. Now, Scott Alexander. <laughs> now, this is where it gets weird. Because Scott Alexander and Larry, since you don't have any um, crazy names in the t- in the twee, Pat, I decided <laughs> to toss one in there. Karazewski. Larry Karazewski. Karazewski. Who is known for 1408, which I think some of us watched for the um, John Cusack show. Yep. Yeah, I saw that at the theater with my mother. I don't know if I even And that. uh Ed Wood and The People versus Larry Flint. Three very different films. <laughs> yeah, and very much so. not two people you would expect to be writing for children's movies. I don't know. I mean, there are some children's authors out there that are really out there. Like I mean, Shel Silverstein was one of the most famous ones. I mean, he was famously oddball. People versus Larry Flint, the cartoon series, was, you know, pretty. (laughs) (laughs) He had that transforming wheelchair. Right, exactly. The people versus Larry Flintstones. Uh, Ah, I see what you went too far. Oh, I didn't mean to jolt it up. uh, 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 How much months did you guys out there? Garrett has had. (laughs) So this is starring Jack Black as R.L. Stein, Slappy, and the Invisible Boy. Yes, I did recognize the voices of both Slappy and the Invisible Boy when uh, when they appeared as being Jack Black as well, which makes sense. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty obvious. So uh, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with it. It's also starring Dylan Minnette as uh, Zach, who is known for Let Me In, uh, which was the American version of the, I think it was a Swedish film called Let the Right One In. Yeah. Oh, that's which was fantastic. And um, I know it looks like the acronym of the week, but it's Arthur and the very the terrible, no good, very bad day. 
He yes, was, I was not going to acronym that one. Up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not asking you to. But <laughs> it's a lot of penises. Uh, also uh, had Odea Rush as Hannah, which was in The Giver, and something called We Are What We Are, which really yep. I read the description of it, and it sounds really, really strange. I watched the original Spanish and the American version back to back, and they're both very different, but they're both really, really good. Yeah, I, I may have breathed a sigh of relief when looking up Odea Rush, seeing that she was 18 and ignoring the voice in my head saying she probably wasn't when she made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, what we, what we are, what we are, I mean, that's, I don't know, I read the description, and it screams like flowers in the attic to me. Well, it's basically a, a family of a father and his two daughters who are, well... In, in the American version, in the, in the Spanish version, it's a father and his two sons and their mother, but they're cannibals. Uh-huh. And they've been cannibals their entire, ge- they're for generations. Hmm. But they're living in a world of regular, like all of us. And who are not cannibals. When the father, well, the primary caregiver so. in the <gasps> Spanish version, the primary caregiver dies, the sons try to take over for him. And in the, the American version, the girls, anyway, it's it, they're both really well done. So right. highly recommend. <clears throat> so the um, the role of Champ was played by Ryan Lee, who's known for uh, Super Eight, which we watched uh, back in our Goonies Super Eight show. Yeah, that was uh, the kid that we were like, uh, it's young. Uh, shit, I just blanked on his name. He's got giant teeth. Yeah, uh, a musician. Um, uh, Stevie Wonder. Tom Petty. Oh yeah, that's we were calling him uh, Tom Petty Jr. and he he looks less like Tom Petty, but yeah, he still has the overweight <clears throat> that could kill a horse. That's true. Right. He's a and goofy you, looking kid, right? And when I looked at uh, Zach Dylan Minnette, he reminded me of um, he's like a mini Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that same look that I would expect to find in any Twilight knockoff. Right. Pretty like, much. You could tell me Dylan Minnette was in the Maze Runner, and I would believe you. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he was in a uh, um, uh, Divergent. Of course, he was because no, he. Wasn't. I believe you. I believe I you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Amy Ryan as Mom, who was in uh, Gone Baby Gone and Birdman, and, and The most, Office. Most, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Most importantly, Holly on The Office. Yeah, I was going to say Amy Ryan might actually be the best actor in this. Yeah, really. I guess she I include so Jack underused. Black. <laughs> she was good, but she wasn't in it often enough. I mean, she wasn't around. No, I, I'm just saying, like, in terms of who I think is the best performer, the best at the job of being an actor from the cast, I think she's, I'd give the title to her. Okay. And then there was uh, also Jillian Bell, who played Lorraine, the desperate sister, who was also in 22 Jump Street and Bridesmaids. And she's on Workaholics. And she's got a show on now called Idiot Sitter. Oh, as well. really? Yeah, she's she's kind of an up and comer these days. She's all over the place. She's actually she's pretty new, funny. I I, I kind of like Melissa her. McCarthy. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. She's she definitely a chubby sidekick that makes a lot of jokes at their own expense. In my mind, Jillian Bell smells a lot better than Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yikes, dude! <laughs> Odd thing to say. No, I mean you just brought up Melissa McCarthy, and Melissa McCarthy, honestly, to me. I think if I was near her, she would smell like, like Jeez. bad milk and beef cookies. jerky. That's what I think. <laughs> Where the fuck are we going with this? <laughs> I think she smells like Kevin James. 
I think there's a show topic in this. What do we think celebrities smell like? <laughs> the celebrity smell show. <laughs> now, Julian Bell, while she doesn't smell great, she's got a little bit more, like, sugar cookie type smell to her. I think she smells like <laughs> liquor. Yeah, she, she, that's liquor. exactly what it is. It's just vanilla vodka. That's what you're smelling. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Workaholics. You'd understand. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, trivia. Tim Burton was originally going to produce the film in 1998 and uh, was attached to it. However, the, that project fell through. So in the 90s also, uh, George Romero was hired to adapt the book series into a single film. And they said, holy shit, George, let's not do this. And he finished a draft for it. I can't even imagine George Romero running a children's movie. Yeah, I... I, I... Yeah, I can't. The ghouls would have been a lot more prominent, I'm sure. Well, I mean, anyway, why would they even go to him? Well, he's a a well-known horror maestro who, in the 90s, was kind of at a lull in his career, and why not? I mean, he wrote uh, Creepshow. I mean, he was part of the Creepshow project. Okay, and him being involved in Creepshow, I think there's your missing link. Because I can see you getting from Creepshow to Goosebumps. Yeah. Horror anthology, and those were yeah. not exactly hardcore horror. I mean, they were very similar in tone, just uh, a bit more adult. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, so um, Mr. Stein makes the comment in the movie that he has sold more books than Stephen King. Believe it or not, this is true. King has sold over more than 350 million books, and R.L. Stein has sold over 400 million books. Uh, that, that actually doesn't surprise me, considering how many books Stein has put out and how pushed they yeah. are by Scholastic. That's I, a good point. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like the Scholastic... I mean, remember uh, we were talking about Scholastic book fairs and the um, the book ordering thing when we were in school. I mean, this is something that I would have ordered every single book off of. Sure. Yeah. And like the goosebumps are frequently like the anchor for an issue of Scholastic. Like that's what is going to be front and center to get you to look at the entire flyer. Yep. Plus they're there. They've been everywhere for a long time. I mean, not that King hasn't, but I mean, you walk into any bookstore in the young adult section and you're going to come across a whole row of goosebumps. Because books. you can't, I mean, you can't sell <laughs> Stephen King books to, you know, preteens. Maybe you so can't. there's a whole market out there. <laughs> the word I'm looking for is shouldn't. I know. <laughs> out of his trunk. But, um, you know, so there's a whole market of kids out there that if they're looking to read and they want to have something that's a little titillating, I mean, he's filling that market for sure. And there's a, there's a, obviously a $400 million or, or 400 million book market out there. Did you just say titillating? I yeah. Did. I was going to let it go. No, I'm not letting it go. What do you mean titillating? Because I mean, you know, when you're prepubescent, I mean, you're looking, you're looking to learn about new things and all that stuff, and and like you get new experiences and getting scared and getting, you know, getting your 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 freak on, you know, as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily an explicitly sexual thing. It's no, something that's, that's a, I don't I don't mean it sexually at all. It's something that's out of the norm for what is available traditionally. Especially for books you're going to order at school, right? Yeah. Okay. And it, yeah, it's and it's like 
because the adults are saying it's okay, you you know it's in your heart it's safe, but it's still risky and scary and kind of cool and kind of, you know, so I get it. Yeah, I mean, I think it is fair to say, despite the fact that three of the four of us ripped uh, Goosebumps kind of a new one, we're not exactly the target market. Right. No, we definitely aren't. And I All can appreciate right. it for what it is, like Joel was saying, but it doesn't mean I have to like it as an adult. I I, I still can have the opinion that it stinks. I, I can understand why why people like Picasso, but I still think his art stinks. Hey, now. Yeah, let's let's move on before we get into that, because I'd have some things to say about yeah. it. Yeah, let's move on. I think there's a line that just got drawn in the sand there. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, R.L. Stein makes a cameo in this movie and says hello to and, Jack Black. And it was so completely obvious it took me out of the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I happen to know what he looked like because I was curious as to how close uh, the costuming for Jack Black was. So when I saw him, I recognized him before he said anything. Because <laughs> uh, as soon as they, they have that interaction and he walks on, I'm like, okay, if nothing is ever made of that, that was just so obviously some cameo. And the only thing that makes sense is it's got to be R.L. Stein. So I actually stopped the movie to look it up and found out I was right. But I was like, it was just so jarring. I'm like, what, what was that? Yeah, and the fact that he's Mr. Black and uh, Jack Black and Mr. Stein. Yeah, it was just... Yeah. Uh, it was so hamfisted. <laughs> it was just just shoved in there into that script. Well, I mean, they needed to. I mean, they couldn't have done the movie without some sort of nod to him. Yeah, well, and why, I, not, why not make him the sheriff back in the you know? Because he's not an actor. Yeah, no. I thought it was kind the, of clever. the actual sheriff. I mean, the the sheriff is the person who's just back sitting there while the other two guys are out, out doing all the work. He he doesn't even have to say anything. He just one in one shot. You see the blob come in or whatever, and take him out or whatever. I mean, he doesn't even have to have to say anything. I, I okay. think the explicit wink and a nod for anyone who could have recognized him. It, it was supposed to be a little obvious. Yeah, he could have just been one of the like victims frozen by the aliens. Yeah, uh, where you would have had to look real hard to catch it. Well, and he wasn't even on screen for really any. L- amount of time he was like hello and then he was maybe a second sure i thought it was clever yeah i, I do it, it almost broke the fourth wall for me though i don't think it was any worse than most of the stan lee cameos in marvel things oh definitely I, not i i did just because they don't give stan lee dialogue oh yeah, sure they, they do yeah they do they always do well he almost then, always gets then, a line i didn't mean that stan lee i meant <laughs> i meant stanley johnson <laughs> All right, My so still stands. I think Please. I don't know. I've I've lost track. What are we talking about? What day is this? I think Knuckleface Jones. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So anyway, the CGI was pretty good until I saw the werewolf. I thought the werewolf looked pretty good. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> he looked I, like he was covered in wax. It was. I don't know. It was all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I did I, notice when I saw the werewolf. Is it, I'll agree with you, Mike. In that it was the first. CGI that was a little off-putting. Yep. The snowman was really good. Yeah, snowman was really good, and I think there was something about... Snowman? The the, the, uh, abominable snowman. Abominable snowman. Oh, okay. I think there was something about either his shoes or his saliva or both, which is what kind of took me out of it for the werewolf. So I had the ripped tennis shoes on. If I had a dollar for I thought it was odd that he was wearing gym shorts. Well, he needed to wear pants. It was a kid's movie. 
Yeah, but okay. I mean, I mean, usually it's like tattered pants and stuff. But I think it would have looked, but but just take the fact that he was just wearing like you know canvas gym shorts. Like, what about the gnomes though? I thought the gnomes were they were so cool. Yeah. They were awesome. And the fact that they reassembled, I actually was like, oh, that's creepy. The, like, I I had such low expectations for the gnomes, and they were so much more badass in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Between the TV show and the movie, I think the gnomes were so much better in the movie. The way they Rube Goldberg to attack things and everything. Yep. Uh-huh. It's very and gnomish. Tell me if this this movie would not have been better if uh, Patrick Warburton had been the cop. <laughs> the, the cops were weird. Like, they weren't yeah. in it enough to justify their goofy banter. Well, I mean, you had the, I'm, I'm an enthusiastic rookie cop. You're under arrest. And that made no sense to me. It was like good cop, dumb cop. Yeah, but I don't know. I I came into this with such incredibly low expectations. And from the very beginning, from the first scene between uh, Zach and his mom, I was like, okay, already, just in the performance of these two characters sitting in the car together, it's better than anything I saw from the series. I, I totally agree. Agree, with, agree with you on that. I re-agree. Re-agree with you. <laughs> yes. So I, they already had a couple of brownie points. I was like, okay, they can get away with a couple of stupid missteps at this point because I'm finding myself getting uh, locked in by the superior acting. And I actually almost like squeed a little bit to myself when Amy Ryan appeared. I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in this. And then Jack Black appeared. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was in this. And then I was just done. I had to and take a <laughs> And like the sets were good, the abandoned, discarding how ridiculous the concept is, the abandoned uh, amusement park in the middle of the woods was awesome looking. Yeah. It was so shoehorned in, but it was done, it was used to good effect, so I let it go. Right. And what about the whole concept itself? I mean, R.L. Stein was trying trying to figure out, and I read some of this in the trivia, you know, how are you going to translate this into a film? But taking at taking different books and putting them all into the movie and giving them a device that made it made sense in some regard. It was kind of clever. I mean, it was neat the way that, that the books came to life and that was like his, it, it was so uh, honestly, and I, this is meant as a compliment. It was so obvious. It was so clever. It was obvious, you know, it was like, what a great tool to use. Like, Oh, all, everything I've written comes to life. It just yeah. seemed, it seems like such a trope, but it was done pretty well, actually. Well, which tied into the blob that did everything, too, and the yeah. fact that what he wrote was reality. Slappy was genuinely menacing. Uh, the blob was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a blob. Yeah. <laughs> and it did try to eat everything. So I, a couple of the twists I saw coming, like from the very beginning, I was just like, yeah, Hannah's a character that R.L. Stein wrote. Like from about the about the time the cops showed up at the the apartment, it was just like there, there's just too much weird about her not knowing her mom. So you, I saw that one coming from a mile away. Wait, wait, she was a character that he wrote. Did How far did you get into the movie, dude? I watched the whole thing. It was a whole point. Of, <laughs> that was the whole point at the end. You had to write. Rosebud was his sleigh, dude. <laughs> Did you really not know, or are you just being a dick? He's just yeah, being I a dick. Yeah, I was just fucking with you. Okay. Dick. <laughs> well, what did you think about about Jack Black being Stein, though? Like, he was the main character rather than being the man who wrote the books that the, the story. I mean, 
What? Can you rephrase that question, please? Uh, I can't even diagram. Yeah, plus, you... I, I'm not entirely sure R.L. Stein was the main character. No, he wasn't. I mean, Zach was clearly the protagonist. You could make a, a case for uh, R.L. Stein being the central character. He was definitely the driving force. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack Black made him, you know, much more interesting than he is in real life. <laughs> Personality-wise. Personally, I want to know what kind of high school puts on The Shining as a play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I didn't even think about that. I was well, like, <laughs> like he runs into the tossing. theater and like, oh. They wouldn't even let us use Guns N' Roses as an intro song in basketball. And they're putting on The Shining. Well, it was another tie into the whole Stephen King thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, normally, I like Ryan Lee. I actually think that uh, he overacted a little bit. And occasionally took me out. Yeah, like a squeaky voice. Although him screaming like a girl was hilarious every time it happened. <laughs> yeah. He's like, dude, don't judge me. <laughs> I mean, I, he's good for comic relief. He's good at his, his role. Sure. Yeah. I, I just think a director could have reined him in just a little bit because I found him a little irritating. Yeah. Almost like they let him improv a little more than they should have. Yeah, because he still don't doesn't have enough chops to really get away with that. No. Yeah. I mean, he was good... Uh, in um, Super 8, he was all right, but it's like... It was more he, of an ensemble, though. Than right, that's exactly it. There, there was enough other... Um, there's enough other characters to put off what he actually was. But, I mean, I love the fact that I have to get that nitpicky about this. Yeah. Overall, well, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. And I think that the, the, the monsters were menacing enough to be you know, more scary than they would have been in the TV series, but still pull back enough that you could have a younger person watch it and not be afraid. Well, yeah, there were deaths in the TV series and nobody actually died. Yeah. They even made a point to show that the kid who got eaten by the big bug did not actually get eaten by the big bug. Right. Right. Once they had written them all out. I love the fact you call it a big bug. The (laughs) praying mantis. Big bug. (laughs) Well, in Texas, He's only like three times bigger than a normal roach. <laughs> Silly. Silly boy. So, yeah, I mean, from that, you've got a, a pretty solid, like, kid as a fish out of water, meeting a new girl in a new neighborhood. Then you've got the all of the monsters getting released by a Slappy who burns the book so they can never be captured again. And, like, the whole town pretty much gets captured or frozen or otherwise disabled because no one can warn each other because the first thing they do is take out the cell phone towers. Slappy is a damn good terrorist. I'm yeah, no not- kidding. <laughs> he can teleport. He, yeah, that was I didn't expect that. That was awesome. Like he was genuinely menacing. Because I mean it was right at right before he we actually saw him teleport when he moved from one spot to another when he was messing with him. I was like Man, he's fast. Excuse me. Jeez. <laughs> and then wow. suddenly he teleports. I'm like, oh, well, that explains it. Yeah. Because that's what everybody needs in life is a teleporting dummy. Yeah. A sentient, <laughs> evil, teleporting dummy. Well, that's what made him a good protagonist or antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> and like ripped, ripped straight out of Michael's nightmares. <laughs> You and you had an awesome no idea. like journey through a bunch of different set pieces to encounter different monsters as they're trying to get to the place where R.L. Stein's typewriter is so he can write the one story that imprisons them all again. I didn't understand why his typewriter wasn't at his house. Why would it be? Because if it was at his house, they'd just go to his house and there wouldn't be any movie. Right. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, in real life, why would your 
typewriter not be in your house because, because he wasn't writing on a typewriter anymore. Well, and it was kind of weird that like nobody knew R.L. Stein lived in the town. Right. But that whole yeah. That that I'll give you that like his typewriters featured in the display case as a famous author's typewriter, but he's in the town secretly. Yeah, and yeah, but nobody knows who he is. Right. <laughs> a random person showed up and donated this typewriter and swore to us that it belonged to R.L. Stein. Well, he had glasses on, so nobody could tell who he was. He parted his hair on the other side. Right. But, yeah, and by the end, I mean, you've got uh, the big reveal that Hannah is a character, and once the story's written, she's going to be pulled back in, and she has her heroic sacrifice. You've got uh, both Champ and Zack learning a little something. Champ uh, being a coward throughout the whole movie and then heroically taking on the werewolf and biting him with his silver fillings to <laughs> get the cheerleader. Honestly. For another hug. Which that- is a nice tie-in. I like that, the way that the nerd gets the hot chick. And yep. that was actually, I think, really clever. Was yep. the fact that he had silver fillings. And that's I what, thought it was going to be silver braces, but then it dawned, it dawned on me that he didn't have braces on. <laughs> I solved that mystery real quick right before he... <laughs> Way to go, Shaggy. Thank you. <laughs> so, snack? let's... um. Okay, round robin. Who... Uh, lady, lady. Right, who liked the uh, TV show? No. I think I'm the only one that has my hand up on that one. Yeah, I think, yeah, so. I think it's you. And who enjoyed the movie? I actually did. It I wasn't bad. Up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I'd seen this without having uh, the original TV show to compare it to, I would have found more fault with it. But because of the fact that I'm comparing it to the TV show from the 90s, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It definitely I, I is definitely a stand-up. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you because it's... Yeah, I I just think it like you had said before it talks down to you in the TV shows, but in the movie it's actually expecting you to be able to handle the stuff it's throwing at you. The mo- I mean the movie had so little to actually do to be better than the TV show, so yeah, it was right. You know, well, and, and oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and stuff like the the lawn gnomes was legit awesome. Like I think even if I hadn't been prepped and mentally comparing it, I still would have thought. The gnomes were were very cool. Yeah, and that fucking clown. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about the clown. Oh, how could you forget about the clown? Mm-hmm. And I, I, re- I liked that scene when the snowman uh, fell out of the sky from the scoreboard, you know, with the vending machine, <laughs> and then he just painstakingly unwraps the candy bar. Cheek, cheek, cheek. So, Joel, you had some opinions about this. Oh well, I was just going to say, reading um, some of the more of the trivia. And how much more R.L. Stein seemed to be involved with this, um, I think, lended itself more to it the way that it was pulled off, ultimately. He even cleaned up after with his mop. Right, exactly. No, what? He played the janitor in his little cameo. Mop. No, he wasn't the janitor. Mop. He was the drama teacher. He was the drama teacher. Whatever. What are you watching? Mop. Whatever. He's thinking of Scream. (laughs) <laughs> and Wes Craven was dressed like he was Freddy the the janitor. Yeah, maybe I am. Good lord, Pat. I did I did watch this movie. I swear. That's why we keep you around. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that this was probably more successful because it I think it probably tied in closer to the way the books characterized the the monsters than the T V series did. I agree. Me too. So, there you have it. Right. <laughs>
I'm a good goosebumps. <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, what do we have on tap for next week? I We're, think this is one of those rare times where the remake was better. Yeah. Well, right, it's not really that rare. What are, what are we about? About 50-50? Almost 50-50, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, so next week. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Who? Him. The man, the hat, the legend. The pipe. Right. So we're going to look at uh, Sherlock Holmes over the years, and we are actually um, going back all the way to the Basil Rathbone uh, movies. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to go back even a little further than that to the original Arthur Conan Doyle stories and do a profile of the character from there all the way up to, like, the BBC Sherlock. And uh, the one I can never remember, is that Elementary? Yeah. What about the Robert Downey Jr. movies? That's Sherlock Holmes, too. Yeah. So we'll be looking at all of that. All that fun stuff. So, yeah, next week, Sherlock Holmes show. And if you'd like to check out our older shows, you can always check out our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, all fine podcasting directories. Heck, yeah. Boop, boop, be doop. That was another throw to you, Mike. I know. And if you want to call us, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. <laughs> Well oiled machines. Yes, we are. Alright. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Peace, Yeah, yeah. Gotta shoot heroin. Exactly. That was my takeaway. Josh knows that. <laughs> Josh was listening. Josh is right on point. <laughs> As usual. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.